If you're ready to finally start putting the pieces together and get a head start on your sober curious journey, you've got to get in my program, Awaken Sober Living. The secret sauce that really brings it all together is asking the right questions and then actually answering them. And then we go a little bit deeper. So if you're over the trap of trying to figure it out with moderation and stopping and starting all the time, this is the space for you to get a whole new perspective and make space for something new to come through. And that something new is more of you. There'll be a link right here in the show notes for you to go on over and get right in there. You can also just go to visit my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, and we will get going. I'll see you on the inside. I'll be there for you every step of the way. Do you ever feel like you're outgrowing alcohol, that you are longing for a deeper connection to life? If alcohol is keeping you playing small and feels like the one area you just can't figure out, you are in the right place. Hi, my name is Mary Wagstaff. I'm a holistic alcohol coach who ended a 20-year relationship to alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. Now I help powerful women just like you eliminate their desire to drink on their own terms. In this podcast, we will explore the revolutionary approach of my proven five shifts process that gets alcohol out of your way by breaking all of the rules and the profound experience that it is to rediscover who you are on the other side of alcohol. I am so thrilled to be your guide. Welcome to your journey of awakening. Welcome back to the show, my beautiful listeners. Thank you so much for being here. We're moving on. We're already on to shift number three. So shift number one, just to review, moving from avoidance to awareness. Now, one of the things that you'll find in my free training, the five shifts, is also the five myths. And the myths are really the perspective that you have now. And the shift is what I'm offering you, the shift in perspective. So you can see how the myths are playing out. The myths of quitting drinking are playing out in the way that you're actually perceiving the 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 narrative of what you kind of like bought into and how that's playing out in your life. So it's really important to understand what you're moving from and what you're moving towards. So moving from avoidance to awareness. Shift number two is moving from conformity and confusion to curiosity. And the reason that I have those two words together is because when we're not in alignment with our own truth and we're like questioning, like if you were a hundred percent sold on one, you know, the sober, like some sober community, you know, like going to AA, or if you were a hundred percent sold on drinking culture and you were feeling super connected and, you know, satisfied there, then there wouldn't be the confusion. You would just be like in it right now. I'm not saying being part of a group is bad. In fact, I think it's awesome, but it can limit us. And when you when you find that you're in a lot of confusion, it's like you don't know what your own truth is. You don't know what your own beliefs are. It's like, am I being lazy? Do I have this resistance because I'm being lazy or is this thing just not for me, right? And so that's when the confusion comes in and that's when we ask the questions, that's when we get curious. And then today we are going to talk about the third shift, which is shifting from shame and judgment 
to compassion so you can stop waking up without regret. And that's like the main thing, right? Is like the regret, the shame, the judgment. You want to feel good about yourself. You don't want to go through the day like hating yourself. Why do I keep doing this? There is a spiral of shame and judgment for not being able to quit, not being able to drink, for drinking, for not being able to control it. The list goes on and it is perpetual throughout your day. And this is one of the things that creates the biggest alcohol Like this is the biggest contributor to alcohol exhaustion, to alcohol overwhelm, to to the worry. And, you know, some of the ways in which I see people shift this is to try to do something better to make to try to do something different to make themselves feel better. So they start new things. They start new routines. I'm going on a health journey. I'm going on a health cleanse. But as long as alcohol and its story is running in the background and you're only motivated on willpower, you're going to fail at that too. And then that's going to create an even bigger shame spiral, right? Like, so you, you, don't really know how to honor your calendar, your schedule. You don't really know necessarily how to make yourself a priority and the needs that you have that are being met. So you take action, but what happens in this action is that you take your brain with you. You just take your same narrative with you. All those objections, all of those excuses, all of those um, expectations that we talked about a few episodes ago, Rather than your heartfelt intention, slowing down, learning how to pause, learning how to be mindful, learning how to be in the present moment, learning how to tell yourself, I'm doing a great job. I'm doing my best. And so one of the ways we switch from shame and judgment to compassion is through, we bridge it through being neutral. I am a human. Humans have emotions. Emotions create sensations in the body, right? Because it is challenging for people if they have deep grooves in their brain of a lot of self-sabotage, a lot of self-hate, a lot of self-shame and blame. And maybe that's come from other places. It's reinforced through um, things that you see out in the world. Someone may have told you that a lot in your life. It's hard to jump from, you know, I'm a disgusting piece of shit, which some people think. I mean, we've all been there. We've all thought that at some point in our cyclical nature to... um you know, I'm an amazing queen who deserves nothing but like gold and I can do no wrong how exactly how I am. I'm amazing exactly how I am, right? And what we really want to tap into is the innate worth of humans, right? When you're born as a child, even people that, you know, do the most horrendous acts, it's like when they're born as a child, they are born as an innocent we're all born innocent. We are all born worthy of love, worthy of opportunity, worthy of being human and expressing ourselves as we are uniquely in, in, in any way. There's no rules about what it's supposed to look like. And everyone has the right to express themselves the way that they see fit for themselves. Now, we know that that isn't the way that it plays out in our society, but I think if we can all tap into that knowing inside of us, like we are born 
of the earth and who says that what, however you are is wrong. Like people do say that, but we know that that's not true. So you can kind of come back to innate worth and what you would tell anyone else. So we just go from shame and judgment to alcohol is just a drink. And does alcohol create a environment in which the human can act in ways that is not supportive of the values that they really want to express. Absolutely. We all have had regret about things that we've done, ways that we've treated ourselves, decisions that we've made, right? But if you're here now today, um, it's like there's alcohol. Alcohol doesn't, alcohol in and of itself, the choice to drink isn't a bad, doesn't make you a bad person in and of itself, right? Now, you may do things that are, like I said, not in alignment with your values, but in this moment, because we cannot change the past, I am a human. I am a human that desires change. I had a drink, right? We just want to look at the facts, and that is the best way to shift from shame and judgment to compassion in this is such a crucial component to learn how to be with the experience of being human for the rest of your life. When you learn the skill of emotional intelligence, it will play itself out in every single other area of everything that you do. So when you go on the spiral of shame, you only compound the shame and judgment, which obviously creates the trigger to want to drink. You start all these new things. You fail those too. You resent your friends, your spouse for drinking. So you eat cookies and that makes you feel not good too. And then so it's like, why not screw it? And that's when the screw it's come in. And it's like, let's just have a drink, right? Like nothing else is going right. So let me just have a drink because you've set yourself up ahead of time for failure, right? Like alcohol, the alcohol is a habit, changing, dismantling alcohol is another habit. And then you go and add another new habit to that. That is usually what people do. And when that doesn't work, you have to take, then everything crumbles and you're even further into the hole than you were when you started. So you have to be kind to yourself no matter what. You have to offer yourself compassion for being human and crushing it every day. Every day you do something that is amazing and you take care of of something, right? Like you have to look at what was my impact today and that might be for some people, some days, it's like I got up and I got out of bed and I got dressed and made myself some breakfast, right? Like that might be enough. Some days it's like, I just took care of myself in my bed. And again, it comes back to our judgments and our expectations of what things are supposed to look like and the habitual hustle culture and and equating worth with busyness. And this is just so true for so many women that I work with. Um, but there's this like reward system for doing. And then again, like that's just another narrative and story. You can be 
you can be happy doing and accomplishing things isn't what creates happiness. It's your thoughts that I did a good job. It's that reward system that also plays into alcohol. And then you've rewarded yourself for accomplishment with alcohol. So alcohol is part of your reward system. So it's really about learning how to reward yourself for doing nothing about intentionally doing nothing, about being human and innately worthy, regardless of if you do anything ever again. Permission granted here and right now. Like you get to just enjoy this beautiful earth. This is yours, right? You don't have, like the land is ours. Like, you know, I mean, it's all been taken and now we all have to pay taxes on it. But like, it is ours and you get to sit back and just enjoy it. Like it, it was freely given to all creatures on this planet. I mean, it's not ours, like we don't own it, but it, we have access to it and we get to enjoy it, right? And we get to take that step back and just be with the abundance that is life without having to prove ourselves to be worthy of it, right? And there was a lot of cultures that have come before now, the Native American cultures, I believe, in, you know, in the US and indigenous cultures from around the world really had this reverence and connection to the earth where they could be in communion with the land. And the working relationship wasn't to prove something, but it was a symbiotic relationship. And we've really really, really lost that. And so to, to end the shame and judgment around alcohol is to tap back into the symbiotic relationship with life, but it has to start from within you, the symbiotic relationship to your emotions and what your body, which is part of the earth is telling you, right? You are an organic, organic matter. So to help you meet the needs of emotions so that you don't have to rely on alcohol to do that for you. That is your primary job with shift number three, with moving from shame and judgment to compassion, is you meeting your own needs. I've been fascinated by... um this concept of a dark retreat. There's a place here in Oregon that's called... um sky cave retreats and they gotten pretty famous from like some celebrities or you know uh, influencers doing them and apparently this is something like indigenous cultures have done for many years is going into the darkness and the whole thing like terrifies me because I can just see my brain like freaking out but it's you go into the darkness it's complete sensory deprivation and, um, you know, they give you food and, um, there's like, you can leave whenever you want to, but people have these amazing experiences of like peeking, you know, doing all the things. And then they realize like they have to surrender to the darkness. They have to surrender to their mind. They have to surrender to the doing. And when everyone leaves after like three or four days, they are in such a different, like blissed out state. Um, after going through moments of panic and anxiety, and I'm not sure if I could do it. I would really love to do it, but thinking about it gives me anxiety. Um, I might try to do a mini one here, like at the house first. I do have a little bit of a fear of like being locked in a place. I don't know if it's a past life thing or if it happened to me when I was little, but 
that was something when I went to Egypt and going into some of the temples and the tombs that um, I just had a lot of anxiety about being trapped. So I'm not sure if I could go into a cave, although the door is left unlocked, but like, like that happens to me sometimes when I go into a sauna or something. So it's this whole place, you know, I digress, but it's this, it's this idea of, you having to meet yourself and understanding that your projections in the world, like your projections of the way that you think the world works are just happening in your mind. And they're all subjective and they're, they've been reinforced, but they are subjective. And so it's like when you go into the darkness and when you, when you turn off all of the stimuli, you know, that's why we can't, we don't sit still and there's this doing and And this is something you have to practice, right? Because it's like happy you drink, sad you drink, depressed, frustrated, aroused, all the things lead to drinking. But what's really going on is you overriding your emotions and not meeting them. It's changing them to something completely different. It's not you meeting yourself happy. It's not you meeting yourself sad. It's you overriding them with the chemical of alcohol and whatever that looks like. So if, you know, you, a lot of us have negative self-talk, right? You just start small. What would you say to a loved one? What's a neutral thought? That is where you have to start. And that is what we practice together. Just like this is normal. I mean, if, you know, and, and if you don't believe that human emotions are normal, then that's something that you're going to have to work on for yourself. Um, and, and uncovering why you may be having this emotion, right? Like Michael Singer would say, there's something inside of you, a block that this circumstance has bumped up against. The emotion is just the signal that you have a block, right? That you have that expectation, that you have that judgment. So you get to look at it and decide to let it go. Like this is the process of really reparenting yourself. Um, And I... There's someone that I have worked closely with that I I've I I see this happen for most people, but this person wanted to this client wanted to change so much and was so excited about the opportunity to really dive into a new health journey. Um, but as like you know, a mother, an entrepreneur, um, you know, had a husband that traveled the the scheduling is tight and the demands of all of these other things were pretty were pretty heavy so putting one more thing in there without kind of managing everything managing her mind around everything that was already created only added more stress so we had to really take a step back and say okay how are you solving for all of these other thoughts that you have about all these other stressors right and when we can eliminate and bring you back, bring the nervous system back into balance, bring the nervous system back into parasympathetic state, that like rest, digest state, and doing that with everything, the need for the strict diet, the the working out, like all of that, it's good and it's it's healthy, but it happens more naturally, right? Because when we add other things and then we don't do them, that's when the compounding effect happens, and it's and you're more disappointed. And I've worked with people who are on like also, you know, this work really ties into 
<clears throat> you know, your relationship with food for a lot of people, including myself. And when they were using the five shifts process to look at their relationship with food and they were regulating their nervous system and learning how to reset their nervous system with the tools that we were using, their relationship with food changed, their relationship with exercise changed, and it no longer became something that they were checking off the list. They were no longer judging themselves if they didn't make it to the gym. They were no longer um, having to do like power yoga, crazy workouts, right? It was, it was about putting themselves in the center of this is how I take care of myself, right? I wait to have a second serving before I have more because I'm just going to listen to my body. Um, and if I do eat a cookie, like it's just a cookie, I'm still, I'm still here, still, still showing up, right? And so the way that you judge yourself for one thing, you start to shift the way that you're looking at yourself for everything. And this is such a game changer. So the, the, the effect ripples out in every area. So we don't want to add more. We want to clean up what's already there and we want to do it from a com- place of compassion and And we really, we work on one thing at a time. In this piece of it, I have to say even more than the curiosity, we have to become aware of everything first, but the place of compassion and emotional intelligence is really the thing that we're lacking the most in our society. And the more we have compassion for ourselves, the more we're able to see other people in their own sovereignty and their own independence, right? Even people we're in relationship with and we like want them to be a certain way or show up with a certain thing. When we start to see like, I'm doing this for me and we give ourselves permission to put ourselves first, the impact is, is that A, everyone wins and B, you start to see like, oh yeah, they're taking care of themselves in this way, or this is their journey, right? And um, another one of my clients who was really renegotiating their marriage really was able, before was um, sitting in resentment, Friday nights, drinking wine, not speaking up, not saying not taking action on change and was like, you know, the judgments of like, this person's not going to ever do the work. They're not um, evolving. They're not growing. And really what that's saying is like, I'm not evolving. I'm not growing. And then the taking the personal responsibility and being compassionate for where she was at, um, she was able to really take care of her own needs, take a step back and just look like everyone's on their own journey. Everyone grows and changes at different times. And, you know, my husband is at this place in his relationship to himself. So it's really such a transformation for everyone, for your children, the expectations that you have, being able to look at, you know, your boss, your employees, like knowing that like we're all just doing our best at any given moment. And the reason that sometimes we judge people is because we do see in them that they can do better, but that's just not where they're at in that day. And don't we want that grace too when we don't show up as our best selves, the best self that we can have. And so that's the first step to say when you're not showing up as the, you know, well, this is the third step, the your best self that you can when you go to bed at night not feeling great about your choices. It's like, you know what? This is obviously what I needed today. I did this over the weekend. I may have shared this example, but 
Um, I'm in a new mastermind and I had to miss the like kickoff party. There was two full days of coaching and like getting right into the meat of it, but I was traveling. And so I had to do it on my own time. And I was like, and it's gone, I'm going to do it. And I was kind of like, I was definitely buffering a little bit, but we, I was so exhausted from traveling and from being with my family for like so long that, and and we were like really like moving and walking on cobblestone streets and taking boats. And like, there was a lot of energy and, um, like, was there some distraction and buffering? Like, absolutely. Absolutely. But when I was like, oh my gosh, I've wasted so much time. I can't believe I did that. I was so upset. Like I made myself so upset. And then in one instant, I was like, this is a choice. You decided to do this. You clearly needed to reset your nervous system and just rest. And immediately, I just had no more regret or guilt about it. I was just over it. And it changed that quickly. And that is available to you as well. So this week, pick one thing. And then one of the most important things I think you can decide to stop having shame or judgment around is wanting this change. I'm growing. I'm evolving. It's normal to want this change. And it's normal that there's a conflict because I've been doing one thing the same for so many years. And that's okay. And settle into what it feels like to give yourself permission to want to change. Have an amazing week. I am so looking forward to hearing about how this is supporting you. And I would love to help you take this journey to the next step. Go ahead and click the link in the show notes to apply for my private one-on-one coaching program. And right then and there, you'll fill out the application and you'll schedule a time for our one-on-one alignment session where together we will really make the best decision for you based on my proven strategy. And you can walk away with some new tools to show up for yourself with compassion and feeling really good about knowing that it's time for change. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, ladies, so the fun does not have to end here. This is actually where it begins. It is time for you to take the next best step to start applying these tools and these principles into your life. And I have made it extremely seamless and super easy for you to get the support that you need in a one-on-one personalized setting so that I can really see specifically where you're at and that together we can create a personalized three-step strategy process that's in alignment with your intentions, your values, your lifestyles, and it gives you that one-on-one face time and space that you need to transform, to be seen, to be heard, and to be validated. So all you have to do is follow the link in the show notes or go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com to pick your best time and date for your free one-on-one alignment session with me. I cannot wait to meet you and I'll see you soon.